This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. Our guest is Jim Pfeiffer. Thanks for being on the show, Jim. Thanks for having me, Whitney. Happy to be here. Jim is one of the founders of Left Field Investors, a group dedicated to educating and assisting like-minded investors negotiate the nuances of the passive investing landscape and world of syndications. Jim is a formal financial advisor who became frustrated with the one-path-fits-all approach of the standard financial services industry. Jim now concentrates on investing in real estate assets that produce cash flow and is committed to sharing his knowledge with others who are interested in learning a different way to grow wealth. Jim, thank you again for your time. Uh, you know, I've known you for a while. It's grateful to, grateful to have you on the show. Get us started a little bit of your background. I know you had a financial advisory back Background, but then, you know, was that real estate or did you do any real estate then? What got you into real estate? Give us a little more context there. Yeah, thank you. So I started in real estate accidentally, but I'm kind of on career number four, I would say. I was in business for a while. I was a teacher for a while. I was a financial advisor for a while. And now I'm just an independent guy investing in passive syndications. But when I started, I call it an accidental landlord we bought a new house in 2008 and we couldn't sell our old one. So we rented it. And we did that for about five years and I was the property manager and I did not like it. So I went to sell that house because I didn't like, you know, having to go over Christmas Eve to fix a toilet, which did happen. And my realtor said, Hey, why don't you let me manage it for you? And so I said, okay. And so he did. And then he convinced me to buy two more properties. And I did, and I still own those properties and they're, and they're making money that kind of got me into real estate. And so I was the guy with shiny object syndrome. I went and bought turnkey investments. I bought a 22 unit multifamily building. We did a flip and I joke because that flip made us hundreds of dollars. If you know about flipping, you should make much more than that. So I was all over the place until I, you know, I kind of found syndications uh, when I was at a seminar because I thought I wanted to be a syndicator. I went to the seminar and I learned, no, no, I want to be the passive. I want to invest in other people's syndications. So I did. And I started out kind of um, investing my self-directed 401k in a bunch of different syndications that gave me a lot of lessons about what I don't want to do. And over the past two years, I've learned and I've focused. And now I know the kind of syndications I want to be in. And so now I'm, I'm kind of I'm much more focused and, and on the on the right path, I think. Nice. You know, it's it's just interesting to hear how people get to the syndication business for sure. You know, if you say syndication to somebody new about investing, I mean, it's like, you know, there's no clue what that is and puts up this big wall a lot of times. But, you know, you dove in there, you learned about syndication, learned you wanted to be uh, passive. Uh, and so, Jim, let's dive in a little bit. Of, you know, how do you help or let's first say, how did you navigate the waters of, of just learning syndication? You said you invested with your IRA first. You learned a lot of what not to do. What were some of those things. So now, you know, you, you've been more successful investing. Yeah, well, originally, I, you know, I don't want to get too technical, but I had the, I had a self-directed IRA, which doesn't really make sense to, to invest in leveraged investments in an IRA because you'll pay the UBIT tax, which is a, a tax inside your IRA. So, I, you know, when I first got it, I, I had a bunch of money in a rollover and I was super excited to get started. So basically everybody I met at this syndication seminar, I'm like, I'll invest in your deal. I'll invest in your deal. And I, and I wasn't really looking at the deals. I was just trying to get started. And while that's not the best strategy, 
I also think it's a good strategy sometimes to just take a chance, try something out and see if it works. So that's what I did. And the investments aren't horrible investments. They're just investments that aren't paying out like they should or on, on time that they should. And I'm fortunate because that's in my retirement account. So that they're playing out slower than I thought, eh, it doesn't really matter. But now I'm focused on real assets that produce net income for me. And that's what I'm living off of. So my strategy there, there has changed for sure. Okay. Well, you know, tell me though, are you still focused on, you know, using your IRA or are you more not too focused on using your IRA? Anything specifically that you could recommend about that process before we move on? Yeah. So I converted my IRA to uh, what what uh, is, I guess, called an EQRP or a self-directed 401k. And that for some reason, the tax code, you're allowed to have leveraged investments in that, but you still lose out on depreciation and other advan- tax advantages of syndication. So right now in my self-directed qualified account, I'm only doing private lending or any kind of debt structures that I that don't have these tax advantages that you do have in, in the other non-qualified accounts. So let's hold off right there just for a minute. So like the EQRP, it's something that's kind of, it's maybe it's not new, I don't know, but it's new kind of to, to being known in the industry, I feel like to a lot of people or they, you hear that term, it's like, what in the world is that? What would you advise now to the investor listening that's saying, oh, wait a minute, Jim, I, I've thought about using an EQRP, but I just, I don't know if that's what I need to do or not. Yeah, I would say that if you have a rollover or 401k that, that you can, put under your own control. I don't think it matters if you do a self-directed IRA or an EQRP, if you're just going to invest in, uh, or you're just going to do private lending or debt instruments, things like that, because that's what I think belongs in your retirement accounts rather than the syndications that give you all these tax benefits. So I would say it doesn't really matter which one you do, but you get, you get the money in your control you can still invest it however you want in the market or in real estate or whatever. If you really want to get into syndications and the only thing you have is your 401k, then I would definitely recommend the EQRP or solo 401k because those, those get you around the UBIT. And I would say it's better to have some real estate than none. So I would still be okay knowing that I'm going to miss out on a depreciation, some of the other tax benefits but at least I don't have the UBIT in the solo 401k. So you would say, you know, definitely transition it to an EQRP, uh, you know, if we have a 401k or something like that. Uh, so we have that checkbook control, but maybe use it for something other than syndications like hard money or something like that. Yeah. And th- there's actually syndications you can do that are just lending, that are just debt. So I would find some of those or the, I, I run a couple of local real estate meetups and there's plenty of flippers and buy and hold people who I learned, uh, you know, once I get to you where I know, like, and trust you, then, then I can loan money to you. So I, I do that in just individual loans to, uh, to people as well. And I do all of that through my, uh, through my retirement accounts because there's no, there's no tax benefit to, to doing it elsewhere. Uh, give us a couple of details on how you document something like that. So you're just handling that capital properly. Well, that, that's, you know, the, the first time I did it, I just took the other guy's wording and uh, just signed the document. It was somebody I trusted, so I, did, I don't have any regrets, but I just didn't want to spend lawyer fees. But now on the new deal I did also with somebody that I trust very much, I decided I need to either, I need, I need to get real documents that, that are vetted by my attorney. 
So either I pay for them, or in this case, I, I asked the lender or the guy I was lending the money to, I said, part of this deal is you're going to have to pay for my attorney to, to do the documents. And he was fine with that. But even if he said no, I would have spent the few hundred dollars it takes to have someone go through and, and check the documents. I didn't do that for the first few deals, but it's money well spent. I haven't had any problems, but I, I will always spend the couple hundred dollars that I've avoided all this time to get the right documents. All right. So changing gears just a little bit, Jim, you know, since you're helping many other investors now, you know, just open their eyes to the syndication business. And how would you say, uh, or what's the hardest part of teaching them what the syndication business is? Uh, you know, how do you expose them to that and, and share great things about this model? Yeah, that's a great, great question. You know, I have a couple of different groups. One is, is the beginner group. And there are people who are friends or, or even a couple of former advising clients who've always told me, hey, you know, I hear you're in real estate. I'd love to get into real estate. They just might not have the capital to do a deal on their own. So with that group, we're just starting from scratch, educating all the way through. And we actually, in that group, through a company called TribeVest, where we invest our money together, we just invested in our first, in our first deal, our first syndication. There's 11 people in the group. None of them had ever done one before. We walked through it step by step. We talked to some different syndicators through, you know, Zoom has been a blessing in that, in that sense. So we just went step by step and educated people on crowdfunding, syndications, the tax structure and, and everything and, and went through the process. Then there's another group of people that are interested and know about syndications but you know, might be able to invest on their own because they have a little bit more capital. That, that group is, is kind of a little more advanced group. So um, we kind of just talk to each other. And, and I thought I would have all this knowledge to give and share with people. But I find that even when I'm talking to someone brand new, I learn something every single time. So the act of sharing my, you know, what I call my syndication knowledge or experience or whatever you want to call it, it's just been given back to me tenfold by talking to people that, that, that have a different perspective or don't really know about syndications. And I learn something every time. So I'm, I'm really surprised that that happened and, and grateful for it. You know, Jim, before we started recording, you had mentioned, you know, just like helping others and, and yourself just understand like real assets producing actual income versus paper speculation. Uh, and I just wondering if you would highlight on that a little bit and let's dive in there for a minute. Yeah, certainly. I, I mean, I was a financial advisor. You know, we were always, you're in the stock market or other products and it was always these paper products that, you know, at some point you're going to find somebody else to sell them to so you can make money. Now, there are some that, you know, you can collect dividends off of some stocks. So there is that. But I, I'm a strong believer now in acquiring assets that provide you cash flow because then you'll never have to worry about, you know, you can quit your W-2 when you get enough. You can have retirement, all of this stuff, because these assets produce this cash flow. Well, also, if you're patient and on the back end, they also produce appreciation. But I never factor that into when I'm investing. I always think, okay, I'm just looking for the cash flow because this is what I'm, you know, this is how I'm paying for my lifestyle, my family, and all that stuff. So I want assets that produce regular cash flow. That's my main focus. Now, there may be a time when there's some, you know, I'm focusing on appreciation a little bit, but my main focus is I want an asset that's going to produce cash. That's everything I'm doing right now is focused on that. Our guest is Sam Silverman. Sam has become really a professional passive investor. He has 
dove headfirst into this business and became that passive investor because of the income level that he had. He had to figure out what the best way to invest that was. And we're going to get into that today, but a little about him. He is a tech sales leader that has led global organizations. He's leveraged his day job into building wealth through both passive investing and operating multifamily apartments. But today we're going to get into how he graduates college and then has this income that he hasn't had before and has to figure out what to do with it, right? And he goes down that path that most of us have gone down or have thought about going down, which is, you know, starting with single family homes and learn the hard way how much brain damage or just time has to be spent to make that model work. But he took some big changes, learned a lot about passive investing, and now is becoming active in the space as well. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the show, Sam. A pleasure to have you on as a guest. And tell us a little bit about your background. I want to hear because I know you are a very active passive investor, but now some things are changing and you're and you're changing even you know from the passive role to more of an active role. And I want to get into that. But tell us a little bit about even your W-2 position and why invest in syndications. Yeah. Well, Whitney, thanks for having me on here. Big listener of your podcast. So definitely appreciate coming on here. When looking at the W-2 jobs, so right out of college, got into sales. And when you look at sales, especially in tech, it's a pretty low barrier to entry job, right? Meaning that you can quickly scale and grow in the role, both in terms of position, responsibility, and more importantly, earnings. So when you look at that, you have the you know, excess cash that you never had before that you're looking to, you know, what do I go do with this, right? So that was kind of my entry to real estate. And Started in real estate like a lot of people do. Bought, I think, eight single-family houses right out of college the first few years and realized this was not the path that I wanted to go down. I think something people miss a lot when looking at single-family is just the amount of mindshare and headspace that it takes up. I call it brain damage. (laughs) Yeah, that's how they're putting it. Yeah, I did the same thing. And that's the way I was advised by so many people who had been in the business a very long time as well. It's like, you have to start small and and eventually you'll get there, you'll grow and you'll move from that single family to maybe a duplex and fourplex and eightplex and, you know, and after a few years, but keep going. You bought eight single family homes right out of college, but you figured out that, wait a minute, there's a lot of work involved here, a lot of time. Yeah, so I was lucky in a sense when I bought them that, I actually bought in the sub-market of Jacksonville, Florida. It's a great market. I love the area, especially now multifamily as well. But that area, for context, I bought the first house on more or less farmland. Like they had to clear trees to even put the single house there. And now there's you know, 30 or 40 houses within a few blocks. So the area, you know, I probably caught it in the second inning. So it's, it's moving on up probably third or fourth inning now. So being able to do a few refis on those properties, pull a lot of my cash back out of them, sold a few. So really good learning experience. I think it's actually similar to, you know, what I did at first in sales, right? As an SDR function, where if you look at that role, that role is booking appointments, pass them off to more senior sales reps, and then kind of earning your stripes that way. So I view it as a really similar experience where it gives you the insight as, hey, what do you want to do? And what do you definitely not want to do? Which I think is a super important part. Like understanding what you don't want to do first really helps point in the direction of what you actually want to do. You need to get clear on those things, right? What you do not want to do. And tell us a little bit about what were those things for you and how was that helpful? I think the biggest thing was when looking at the cash flow from the properties, right? Just kind of breaking that one property, for example, they'd make anywhere from two to $400 a month, 
right? And giving yourself some reserves. They weren't bad properties. Like it was solid cash flow. But the biggest thing was that each purchase was a new transaction, right? So when looking at it, it wasn't getting to scale the point where, hey, I can now replace my entire W2 income. This is a lot of freaking houses, right? You start running the math on them. And that is a lot, a lot of houses, a lot of transactions, really spread out property management as well. Even if you can get them somewhere close together, right? You're still paying a premium to have those units managed. And it's a lot of different transactions, a lot of tenants. I think one of the biggest things as well is that you have a single family house. Once it's vacant, you're netting zero on that property, which can kind of be a good pivot to the multifamily side where your break-even standpoint when looking at occupancy is so much lower than single family, right? A hundred versus maybe, you know, 60, 70%. So huge swing when looking at that. For sure. No doubt about it. And so you had this income, all of a sudden you get out of college, you're making some money. You said, you know what, I'm going to figure out what to do with this. You found real estate, you start buying single family homes, you figure out there's a lot of brain damage or a lot of time spent, a lot of mental time. You know, I think you said, I mean, it's so true. So true. You know, people don't realize, but you know, you buy these homes and I love how you say, you know, you need to, you know what you don't want. And so you figure out what you do want. And so move us from there. Like, did you buy more single family homes? What happened next? You know, what, made you then look for something other than, you know, this business plan that you have? I took on a kind of step back and started with, okay, where do I want to get to? Because at first it was just go, right? Do something, right? Better than doing nothing, at least taking some action. But then once you kind of have the momentum, you can take a step back and think, okay, start with the end in mind of where you want to get to versus what you're doing on a daily basis just to push the ball forward a little bit. So from there, I looked at, okay, what is something that I can get involved in that allows me to spend almost all my focus on my day job, right? Being in sales and having a good career trajectory, your earnings are variable, right? Where if you perform better, you make more money. If you perform better, you know, typically you're in a sales org, if you're in a good one, that's purely a meritocracy, right? It's not tenure-based, it's not political, right? It is solely based on performance. And it's a very metric-driven role, right? Wherein certain fields, say, for example, if you're a doctor, right? You may be a great doctor, but maybe hard to quantify how good of a doctor you are. You look at sales, it is black and white, right? Age, you know, tenure, politics really don't matter, right? It's more so if you perform, you'll earn well and have a great path. If you don't, you'll likely be out of a job. So I think it was a really, really compelling area to get started in. So kind of looking at the switch that I made from single family, stopped buying single family, sold some off, still have a few that are actually performing pretty well. Long-term tenants there. So maybe once they, once the units turn, I'll, I'll look at uh, selling those. But for now, they're fine. So did a lot of research, right? From podcasts like yours, from you know Michael Blanc, he's awesome. His podcast, Great Educational Content as well. And then what I started doing is just learning a lot more about multifamily syndication where all these people go on to these podcasts to talk about a topic, but if we're being transparent here, it's, it's to uh, promote their business in some way. And if you look at it, kind of my roles have been building sales orgs. And one of the biggest characteristics of building a sales org is hiring the right people. So my background is really well-versed in interviewing. So what I would do is I'd listen to, you know, podcast after podcast after podcast, find people that I thought seem genuine, transparent, competent. I get on a call of them and I'd interview them, right? As these are people you're giving a check of, you know, $50,000 plus to that 
you want to feel confident in who they are as, as a person. Character is a really big thing. All these deals, you'll see the differences in terms of returns are negligible, right? They really aren't a huge swing when looking at, you know, 15% versus 17 versus 18 versus 16, right? It's all pretty standard. But the biggest thing that you want to see is that who is this person who gave my capital to? Like we all know how hard it is to go make that money and actually save it to a point where you can go invest in a deal like this. And then more so, what's your confidence? They can go execute on this business plan and they're realistic in their expectations and provide themselves the proper buffers on either area. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 